0: Well, let me welcome uh, all the people from Quakertown that are joining us. It's good to have you with us this morning. Uh, our topic this morning is to get growing. Now, you, we've done that the last couple of weeks. Carlos and Jason got us started with that, and we're going to kind of continue that. Uh, get growing. Now, let me start by asking you a question that hopefully you all answer correctly. How many of you are done with Christmas? Raise your hand. Are you done with Christmas? Yeah, mo- most normal people are done with Christmas by now. There are, a few, there are a few stragglers around, have you noticed, right? Decorations still on the lawn. I know they have excuses. It's been too cold. It's been raining. You need to put that junk away by now. Uh, Jay Desco puts his away like on December 26th. The day after, trees down, gifts put away. But even normal people are done with Christmas by now. But here's an interesting thing I was thinking about the last couple of weeks. You know, all of the main characters in the Christmas story, they weren't done with Christmas when January ro- rolled around. Don't you think that all those main characters lived with the consequences and the results of that first Christmas for a long time? For a number of years now, I uh, take January and read through the Gospels. And uh, I've just been reminded over and over again these past couple of weeks that the consequences of Christmas continue. And so since I've been thinking about that, I thought I'd kind of share that with you today. Even though we're done with Christmas 2017, we need to live with the consequences and the results of that, not just in 2018, but forever. And if we can learn about Christmas consequence, we can get growing as God wants us to. So picture the scene. You pull up to a vacation house, and it's just perfect. The weather's perfect, 80 degrees. Uh, No, after these past couple weeks, 85 degrees. Picture the scene, you walk onto the back deck, and there's your perfect family. Your kids all dressed in Under Armour outfits. There they are. Your wife looks perfect, and she's happy and smiling. You've got Mahi and lobster on the grill. You look at the perfect beach scene in front of you. You just got out of your perfect S560, and you're looking around, and then all of a sudden you realize... This isn't your family, that's not your car, this isn't your dream. You think of your dream, well, your kids are a disaster. Your wife is complaining, your car needs a transmission and your boss is a narcissistic moron. That's your life. So the question is, how do we get growing when it comes to real life? Not in some fantasy sanitized world that we make up How do we get growing in the real details and the dirty parts of life? Interestingly, that's exactly what those characters in the first Christmas had to do. So let me mention a character and a word that came to my mind. Our first character reminded me of the word trust. And our first character is Mary. Now, you know the story, and we talked about Mary a few weeks ago but I want to walk out some of the consequences of Christmas for Mary that maybe you have or haven't thought of before. Remember, the angel shows up to Mary and says, hey, Mary, by the way, you're going to give birth to a child even though you've never been with a man. It's going to be God's child. And immediately, Mary's plans were kind of destroyed, don't you think? I mean, Mary was already engaged, and you know, like most young girls that think about marriage, my guess is she had some plans mapped out, don't you think? First of all, you gotta say yes to the right dress. And then you gotta contact, you know, the caterer, and you need flowers, and you need the right bridesmaids, and you need to kind of whip your fiance into shape so he looks good, at least at the wedding, and you already have an improvement plan that you're gonna work on the rest of the. Mary's got plans, right? Yeah, but the angel kind of messes up Mary's plans a little bit, and Mary knows her life now is gonna be very different than she thought, rather than the picture. When you walk onto the deck and it's 85 with the perfect family, that may have been Mary's plans, but that's not what Mary's now going to get. And you know what's incredible to me? At the end of that announcement that Mary's life is going to kind of be a mess, here's how Mary responds. May your word to me be fulfilled. Whatever you say, God, that's what I'll do. You know, that takes trust, right? Now, Mary doesn't know the weight of what that's going to cause yet, But that takes faith, that takes trust, in order for that to happen. About 40 days later, Mary shows up at the temple with Joseph. And this is just God kind of sending a reminder to her. There's a really old guy there named Simeon. And he's a prophet, hangs around the temple a lot, saying really wise things to people. And when Mary and Joseph walk in with Jesus, he gives a glowing pronouncement. Oh my goodness, God, now you can, now my life is complete. You can take me out, because I've seen the Messiah. I've seen your salvation. And then he turns to Mary, and this is what Simeon says. Oh, Mary, by the way, a sword is going to pierce your soul. Now, what do you think Mary's that What? Like, you know, the angel told me this is like God's baby, and he's going to bring salvation. He's going to be the king. Now I'm getting a sword? Well, let me give you a, a couple of incidents throughout Mary's life where that sword gets twisted a little bit, and through it all, Mary gets growing. Here's a, a verse that many, maybe some of you don't realize is in the Bible. Do you know that Jesus had brothers and sisters, Mary and Joseph's kids, and were actually told some of their names in the Bible? So in Mark 6, here's what we read. Uh, Jesus is doing things, saying things. People are kind of looking at it and say, oh, my goodness, what's that? And so the people raise the question, isn't this the carpenter? This is like Jesus, right? Isn't this Mary's son? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? His sister's name were Stephanie and Brittany, I think. No, 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 that's not true. Uh, no, but his, brother, his brothers are named, right? James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. Let me tell you what those names were in Hebrew and see if you can think of what Mary may be doing. Here, are Jesus' names or the names of Jesus' brothers in Hebrew form: Jacob, Judah, Joseph, Simeon. Do those names sound familiar? Mary and Joseph name her other sons: Jacob, Judah, Joseph, Simeon. Well, if you're an Old Testament reader, those names are familiar because those names are the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob is the father whose name gets changed to Israel. He has 12 sons, and some of the sons are named Joseph, Judah, Simeon. So what do you think Mary's dream is, right? Remember the Bible says Mary's treasuring, thinking of all these things in her heart. Here's what I think Mary's doing. Mary says, well, okay, I believe the angel. My son's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the king. The one. And you know what? What do kings do? Kings certainly defeat their political enemies. And so my son Jesus, I'm going to name his brothers the tribe, the leaders of the tribes, because he's bringing in the new Israel. And mission number one is to defeat the Romans. You ever have a dream die? Mary's dream dies. Mary thinks she's giving birth to the new leaders of Israel. It doesn't quite turn out the way she thought it would, does it? Mary's dream dies, and the sword gets twisted a little bit. It gets worse. Eventually, Jesus starts teaching and preaching. His brother's family think he's crazy, out of his mind. In fact, they go, along with Mary, they go to Jesus and try to round him up to take him home because he's an embarrassment to the family. No lie, you can check it out. When they get there, there's a big crowd of people listening to Jesus saying these crazy things, and so Mary said, go tell Jesus his mother and brothers are here. So they go in and say, hey Jesus, your mother and brothers are here, and here's what Jesus says, my mother and brothers He looks around at those listening to him. These are my mother and my brothers. Now, let me ask you folks, what would your mother say to you (laughs) if you were with a group of your friends and all of a sudden she showed up and said, hey, tell Bobby his mother's here, and Bobby were to say, well, go tell my mom that my real mother and my brothers are the people listening to me. Yeah, your mother would probably say, you better tell Bobby to get his butt out here because I brought him in, I'll take him out. The sword getting twisted a little bit, don't you think? And then uh, Jesus continues to teach. He heals, and Mary's treasuring and pondering, all that stuff in her heart. And eventually, Jesus is arrested, and Jesus is executed, and Mary, his mother, is at the cross watching her firstborn son breathe his last right in front of her. What's that do to you, moms? The child that you gave birth to, the little baby that you changed diapers for and bounced on your knee, taught how to crawl and how to walk, tucked in at bed at night. Now he's being put hung on a cross and dying a cruel death, and you can't do a darn thing about it. Simeon was right: a sword twisted in Mary's soul. Her dreams have died, her plans have gone unfulfilled. But God knows what He's doing, doesn't He? The last time we hear of Mary is not at the cross. The last time we hear of Judas, or Jude, yeah, Judah and Simeon and his brothers, where do we hear of them? It's in Acts chapter one. And here's what we read. Jesus is already crucified. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And that early community gather, gathers that first group of Christians, and here's what we read. They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Yeah, the group that thought he was nuts, they all made it. In fact, two of Jesus' brothers that are mentioned there James or Jacob and Judah, they each write a book of the New Testament. And they say, yeah, I used to think he was crazy, but now he's my Savior and he's my God. Life didn't turn out the way Mary thought, right? In fact, the things she probably thought, the plans she made, the dreams we had, they were dashed and broken to pieces, weren't they? I mean, we, we don't have to be geniuses to figure it out. And, but, but Mary didn't know how her story was going to go. It's easy for us to sit here and say, well, the angel showed up and said, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. And it's easy for Mary probably said, yes. It's almost like I'm going to be Mrs. God. And they're going to name a football pass after me. And life's going to be great. And my face will be printed in more pictures than anybody until Kim Kardashian comes along. And life's going to... No, she had dreams and plans, and none of that happens the way she thought. It happened better, didn't it? It happened better. She may have had plans and a dream that were like that scene we pictured at the beginning walking onto a deck. The kids are perfectly mannered in their little outfits. Your spouse is perfect and gracious. The car is exactly, but that's not what we get. And here's the truth. If you and I got life the way we ordered it and, thinks it and think it should go, we would die spiritual infants. God knows what it takes to grow us. And what does it take? Having our plans not be fulfilled. Having our dreams not come true. Because his dream is better than our dream. And his plan is a billion times better than our plan will ever be. Mary trusts, even though it doesn't make sense. So at the beginning of a new year, are you gonna get growing? You're gonna run with your plan and fight for your dreams? You're gonna stand back and say, I'm not sure how this is working. I do know the big picture, I do know the basic ending, but all of the details between here and there, I'm kind of lost most of the time. Are you going to get trusting? Trust is how you grow. Well, the next word is the word serve. And when I think of the word uh, serve, at least in the Bible story, I, uh, I think of Joseph. You may think, Joseph? He's not even around that, he's not around that long. Here are like the only verses, the key verses that we have about Joseph. Because Joseph, Mary's husband, was faithful to the law, And did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he hears the news that Mary's pregnant. It's not his kid. He's not believing this God stuff, right? So he's going to divorce her quietly. He's not going to execute the law, which he could have and kind of defame her and have all kinds of punishment, and legal cases. He's not going to do that. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You know, Joseph is, uh, at least to me, the most intriguing of the Christmas characters. Do you realize that Joseph never says a word? He's the only character of Christmas that doesn't speak. Now, that doesn't mean he couldn't speak. We don't have anything recorded that he said. The shepherds speak, the magi speak, Herod speaks, Mary speaks, the angels speak. Everybody speaks except Joe. He doesn't say a word. Some of you women say, just like my husband. Never saw. I ask him how today day went. Never. Well, that's Joseph. Never really says a word. And he's off the scene before all the cool stuff happens. Never heard Jesus preach a sermon. Never saw a miracle. But he raised a kid that was not his own. As if he was his own. Because God said, I want you to raise the kid as if he's your own. Many of you in the room uh, are married. Remember back when you, uh, probably guys, maybe, I don't know, women ask guys, I don't know. Guys, think back to when you asked your fiance at the time if she would marry you. I I remember that. For me, uh, Kim and I were walking along the Delaware River at Penn's Landing. Very romantic spot. And as I'm, you know, I've thought of that little episode often, and I thought, you know what? That's scary stuff, right? And you can be scared for one of two reasons. The first reason is what if you ask her and she says no? It's like embarrassing, right? Like for everybody, you asked her, she said, no, you bought the ring and all? You're like a jerk. Um, so you're scary, she may say no. And what's more scary than that, she may say yes. And then you think, yeah, but what if it doesn't quite turn out the way I thought? And for those of you that are married, you're still learning what that yes meant, right? That yes doesn't end with the ceremony. That yes goes on and on and on. It's a scary deal. This was pretty scary for Joseph, right? You know the most mentioned command of Christmas The command mentioned most often in the Christmas story fear not to the the shepherds. Don't be afraid to Mary. Don't be afraid to Joseph. Don't be afraid. Everybody's told not to be afraid. Why? Because they're scared to death. Joseph's scared. What does this mean? Remember, Joseph's a righteous guy, right? He's going to lose his reputation. He's going to take this one. I mean, everybody's going to laugh at him. Nobody will come to his shop for business. I mean, Joseph's scared to death. And look what the angel does. The angel reminds Joseph of a couple of things. He reminds him of his name. He says, uh, look there in the middle, Joseph. Joseph wasn't the first guy named Joseph in the Bible, was he? Remember the first guy named Joseph that you read about? Like the whole second half of Genesis is about that Joseph. Don't you think there were a few opportunities for that first Joseph to be afraid? His brothers sell him as a slave. Don't you think you'd have been afraid in the caravan being taken to Egypt to be sold as a slave? He would have been afraid. Then his employer falsely accuses him, he gets thrown in prison. Wouldn't you be afraid he got thrown into prison? Then all of a sudden you're brought before Pharaoh and you say the wrong word, you're going to be executed. Joseph had a lot of reason to be afraid. And so the angel says to Joseph, Joseph, remember, you're Joseph. But Joseph wasn't just strong in himself. Joseph's God was working behind the scenes. That's the point. And so I think the angel saying to Joseph, you know those stories about Joseph, Right? And he thought his brothers were just jerks for selling him. And he thought Potiphar was a mess for not believing him. And he thought Pharaoh was a no-good crook. No, no, God's working behind all that seemingly nasty stuff. And Joseph, God's working behind this nasty stuff too. Joseph, do what I'm asking you to do. But he doesn't just call him Joseph, does he? He says, Joseph, son of David. You ever think David had a reason to be afraid? He had a little shepherd boy when the lions and the bears and stuff would come and try to take the sheep. And don't you think that little kid would have been afraid to face the animal? He, he didn't have a 300 short mag. <laughs> well, what's he? He's got to get rid of the animal. Don't you think he was afraid when he walked onto that battlefield with the giant Goliath and he's going to face him? Don't you think he was afraid when he was stepping into the shoes of being king when he wasn't quite sure how that went? The point is not be like David, just like it's not be like Joseph. The point is behind the scenes, through all of that stuff, God is doing what he's doing, growing you and bringing his plan about. Joseph, son of David, you can trust me and do what I say. Do you ever need to be reminded of that? Yeah, I do pretty regularly. You know what I hate about those verses on the screen? Here's the part I hate. Look at the second sentence. But after he considered, I hate that. I want God to show up and give me strength and the reason before I'm anxious and worried and upset. Joseph hears the news that his fiancee's pregnant, it's not his. And what's he do? He comes up with a plan. Look, I don't want to trash her and destroy her whole life, right? but I'm certainly not marrying her. That's not happening. So he's devising and concocting his little plan, right? And don't you think he's nervous? Don't you think he's afraid? What am I going to do? I can't believe it. I'm going to be a laughing stock. And he's wrestling, and he's anxious, and he's probably discouraged, and he's probably angry, and he's depressed, all those things together, and God doesn't show up until after all that. I hate that. I want God to show up before I'm anxious, before I get worried, before I'm angry, I want God to show up and say, No, Charles, you, don't, you may be tempted to be angry next week, but you don't have to. It's after all that. You ever notice that God shows up in the nick of time, but never early? I hate that. I want God to show up before I'm afraid. God shows up after, I'm afraid. I want God to show up before I'm discouraged. It usually comes after. God will always give you the grace you need, but he's not going to give it to you until you need it. Joseph learned that lesson. And so I would say to you, as I've said to myself, remember the God. The God that we serve is the God behind Joseph who was working a plan through miserable circumstances. Remember God. He's the one that worked behind David, that worked through miserable circumstances, and they were tempted to be afraid. And here's the problem. Fear will always lead us to say no. Faith will lead you to say yes. And Joseph came this close to saying no. So here's my advice to myself and to you for 2018. When God asks you to do something, don't let fear drive you to know. Sit and think, and allow faith and trust to drive you to say yes. And once you say yes and trust, follow through and serve. Joseph never said a word. His life speaks volumes. Well, one more word, the word submit. The words get worse, right? Like trust, then serve, now submit. When I think of the Magi, I think of a submission. Somebody think of what? Well, let me explain it this way. Magi were the wise men, right? And here's basically the story we have about the wise men. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, they don't show up till Jesus is a child. He's no longer a baby. So that Christmas season kind of goes on for a while, right? They didn't take the decorations down either, I guess. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. You see what Matthew's doing? Matthew is contrasting The Magi and Herod. And he wants us to realize that the Magi and Herod had to make a decision that every human being has to make. You've got to make the same decision. Herod had to make it, the Magi had to make it, and you have to make it. And here's the decision Will you be king? Or Jesus be king? Here's the difference. The magi were looking for a king. Herod was fighting to stay king. Which are you? There are only two ways to go here. You're either looking for a king or you're fighting to be king. Are you building your own little kingdom? Or are you continuing what Jesus started And building God's kingdom. Only two ways to go. Every human being has to make the same decision. Herod was fighting to stay king. The Magi were looking for a king. You know, there's something else the Magi teach us. The Magi teach us something about God. Do you realize that they really don't belong in the story? like, let me give you a few examples. They were not Jewish. Like, they didn't come from Israel. Um, They didn't have any of the Scripture, like, none of it. They didn't have Torah, and they didn't obey God. They didn't worship the true God. They never went to temple. They never offered a sacrifice. In fact, we're told they were astrologers. They were magicians their occupation and the very thing that God used to bring them to Bethlehem, what they were doing was condemned in the Old Testament. If they were in Israel, they would have been round up. They would have been arrested and executed for their occupation. But they're looking for a king. And God brings them to Bethlehem. And they find the king. You know, God is... a uh, Still looking for people that don't belong. If hey, we're all just looking around the room, he found a bunch of us, right? We don't belong in this story. We don't obey what God says, do we? Our hearts really aren't in tune with what Jesus is about. We're more like Herod, trying to build our own kingdom, and we are like kind of submitting and seeking to build Jesus' kingdom. And what does God say? I want people just like you. And he sends stars or he sends other people to lead us to Jesus, the ultimate solution. And the Magi teach us that we've got to make the decision they made and Herod made. How are you going to make it? And the Magi teach us something about the heart of God. That's why we say here all the time, we want people to hear a relevant explanation of the gospel, to experience a lived-out application of that gospel, because God loves people that on the surface don't fit. God loves outsiders. God loves people that seem far from him. And as God brings them close, it's a continual reminder that this is a grace deal. This isn't a merit deal. If it was a merit deal, none of us would have made it. It's a grace deal from beginning to end. And people that don't seem like they're part of the story are brought in front and center into the story. Well, Christmas may be over and done for you, at least Christmas 2017. The consequences of Christmas live on for all eternity because Jesus, the King of Kings, was born on Christmas. And if we're going to get growing, not just in 2018, but in the years that follow, it's always going to be the same. You're going to have to trust If you don't trust and put what God says over what you think, and God's going to ask you to do crazy things, if you don't trust, you're never going to grow. If you don't serve by not allowing fear to push you to no, but allowing faith to push you to yes and follow through with that service, you're never going to grow. And if you don't answer the Magi question appropriately and submit to Jesus, the rightful king, then you'll continue to live life the way we lived it, and lots of people live it, without Jesus. And so here's the truth. Life without Jesus is a train wreck. And in some small way or large way, every one of us are living examples and illustrations of that. Life without Jesus is a train wreck. Life with Jesus is a ride home. We continue what he started, being stars that point people to Jesus, we continue what he started by faithfully trusting and serving and submitting. That's how we grow. That's how you grew in 2015, 2017, and that's how we're going to grow in 2018 or 2020. It always works the same way. Trust, serve, submit. You up for that? Well, let's pray. You can stay seated. The band's going to come back, and we're going to end by reminding ourselves of how the story ends. Let me explain it like this. We don't know the details. Mary didn't know the details. Joseph didn't know the details. Magi didn't. We don't know the details of our lives either, but we do know the big picture. We do know the destination. That's the reminder we need. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for uh, wanting to grow us more than we want to grow. Thank you for building into our lives everything that we need. And even though we cringe to say it, thanks for the difficulties that cause us to look up and trust, for the reminders that help us overcome our fear so we can say yes. And Lord, help us today to answer that Magi question wisely. We're poor substitute kings. We're looking for a king. And Jesus is the only viable answer. So help us to trust, submit, serve to your glory as we continue what Jesus started. We pray in his name. Amen.